Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. We appreciate again so very much the uh, Destiny City Church hosting us and making this wonderful facility available. Goodness, we just are so thankful for what God's done here. It's such a blessing. Um, It's our delight to have with us today Shirley, uh, Lady of God extraordinaire. Amen. Amen. Go easy on that, Norma. I'm I'm a little bit insecure sometimes. But uh, it's always good to have Shirley. And I want to tell you, you know, we were reared Baptist. And with Baptist, there's no place in ministry for women unless you're a missionary in some foreign country. And if you're a missionary, you can do anything, be anything, preach anything. It's okay because you're a missionary. But you can't do it here. And so, and Shirley's daddy was a Baptist pastor for decades. My, I had two uncles who were Baptist preachers. Both my brothers are Baptist preachers. I was a Baptist preacher. And so, you know, the whole thing was women just can't preach. They're not supposed to preach. And, uh, but God, but God. See, that's what man says. Women can't, but God. And he calls women to do whatever he wants them to do. I had a guy who's really a great theologian. He's got thousands of books, literally, in his library, and he's read every one of them. He's really a a smart man, intellectually. And he was, I was there, and he said to me, I just really need to know how theologically and doctrinally how you came to this position that women could be called into the ministry. And I just said to him, listen, there is no use in me trying to argue with you theologically because there's no argument or no scripture that I can bring up that you won't rebut. I want to tell you that just to cut it down to the simplest, lowest denominator, I just got tired of telling God he couldn't do what he was doing. I said, I ran into people who were women who... My theology said, my doctrine, my denomination said, they can't, but it was very obvious that they could because God was using them and his blessing was on them. And I would look at them and say, but you can't. And I said, I just got tired of telling God he couldn't do what he was already doing. And so I want to say to you, I am learning, have learned and am learning to wherever I discern the hand of God, I bless it. And I say yes and amen. And so it became very obvious, probably to me before it did to Shirley, (laughs) that she was called to preach the Word of God. And she functions very well in that role. And I am proud of her as her husband and as a man of God. I am proud of her for stepping out and saying yes when everything that had been programmed into her said you can't. You can't, you can't, but she stood up and God did. And she's still doing that. 
And so it is a delight to have her beside me in ministry, but also standing here today to minister to us. And so. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? He's here today. Our creator is here. And I thank God for whatever role that he wants, he has for me in his plan on this earth. Yes, it was scary to find out who I was called to be, but I had a choice. Was I, were, was I going to accept the role or reject the role? And I can tell you when I settled the debate, Ken, <laughs> he had a conference and he was speaking on, I'd heard identity talked on before, but you know, and like here today, the anointing was on that word today. I felt it. The anointing was at Ken's meeting years ago. I felt it. He used a term, the Lord had him use a term called settle the debate. Because it is a debate. And the enemy wants you to never, ever find out who you are. Because if he can keep that information from you, you will never become powerful in the hand of the Lord your God. That day, I settled to the debate. Because I'd been really wondering, and I'd been begging Frank to tell me, because I had heard the Lord use him many times to even tell other people. He said, I'm not supposed to tell you. God told me that he was going to tell you directly. And that you needed to hear that directly from him. Oh, I was frustrated more, Ken. I thought, well, this will be a simple process. I'll just go and Frank will tell me who I am. But not so. I had to wait. Some of you may be in here today, and you still may not know. But I want to tell you, settle the debate. And say, you will know. That day, I'd still, I still, but I settled it, that I would know. And it began that day that I knew that I would know. And today, if someone handed me the microphone and says, who are you? I would take that microphone if they, were me, if they wanted to know, and I'd say, I know who I am. I'm Shirley. I'm from the Bright Meta. That's what my name means. I've heard him call my name, literally, audibly. I heard him call my name. I was at a prayer walk in Scotland, and he reminded me of that. Did I not call you your name? Yes, you did. In fact, I was rebuking two ladies that kept, I thought they were calling me, and we were on this prayer walk, and I thought, how disrespectful. Here they are, and then they won't even speak to me. It was that clear, but it was, that, it was in that voice that said, Shirley. Just as plain. And I turned, and after I'd, they kept denying that it was them, then I heard him say, that was me. I know your name. I called you by your name. And then later I found out my name meant from the bright meta, peaceful dweller. He said, I've called you to be a peace. No wonder the enemy fights so hard. He, don't want, he doesn't want us to have peace. And then my middle name is Elaine which means literally in light and torch. I am his torch. I carry enlightenment from him. And when he says you go different places, you will drop that and it will cause peace in, un, in confused places, in depressed places, but I will bring peace. I know who I am. I'm his. And he's called me by my name. Today, if you are here and you do not know, 
And if God wants you to know who he's, and that name, I want to say this. I was just talking to Kay about The Lord said, the new person that he has created you to be, that new man, that new woman, knows its name. And when it hears the name that God has called you, it will, you will recognize it because the new person knows the name. That's how come, you know, when that happened, it knows. You know that name. And, that, and God will confirm that. However he chooses to deliver that, whether it's through a person directly from him, he will give you that name. Don't you give up without knowing that name if you're here today because he wants you to know. It's time. There's an urgency. There's an urgency in our nation for us to know who we are. It's an urgency for you to take your position and stand in that position and in your church, in the congregation, that you are one, that you line up, find your place so you can rise as one. And for congregations to not have walls between. I believe God is, the spirit of the Lord is blowing across our nation to break walls down that is dividing people from one another. We don't have to agree on everything to still have unity among us. There can be unity in diversity. There can be. And in the family of God, he wants it to be because he's growing us up. And Christ's likeness, Frank said, what are you going to speak on? I said, I felt like God said two things to me. He said, focus, that he needs us to focus on him like never before. He is growing us up to be like him, Christ-likeness. How, how can we uh, become more like him? Spiritual consciousness, that we focus on the spirit of the Lord. Remember when Jesus left, he said, I'm giving you another. And that's the one, that's who we have with us today, the Holy Spirit, another that's going to stand by you, going to comfort you, that's going to guide you, that's going to teach you. He's going to be with you. Whatever you need, just call him. But have your ear so close to him that you can hear what he is saying. Because if you don't, you have another voice. Your flesh will speak to you. And if you're not careful, you'll be wanting to do what your flesh says and think it, he said it. When he said, I didn't say that. Well, who said that? Because we can say things. Our flesh likes things, enjoys things. Someone I just spoke with, sharing with me, says, you know what I've been practicing? Denying myself. When I know myself is trying to get me to do something, I just deny myself. I thought, well, that's good. I have to deny myself at times from eating too much chocolate. That's one of my things. (laughs) But anyway, your destiny is older than you because you were thought of before you were ever born. And, uh, and your name was thought of, and, all at one, and, and you're one of, like Jack Frost used to say, one of God's happy thoughts. Yeah. Or you wouldn't be here. He said, oh, I got a purpose for that one. I'm going to, uh-huh, I want to surely. Yes, yes, yes. And she, if she'll follow me, I will give her revelation, enlightenment, and I'll take her places, and she'll drop nuggets that will bring peace to people that need peace. I need a Frank. I need a free man. I don't need a crippled man. So I'm going to have me a Frank. I call him Frank. 
free man. He's my free man. He'll be battle worthy because of the battles that I'll take him through. But he's a free man. Free to serve me. Delivered, set free. You name it. That's what I want. And he'll travel and he'll help set others free because he'll let me, my power, work through him and heal and deliver. But we have to stay focused on purpose. Leaders need to stay focused because God says, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that Satan, I don't want you ignorant. Paul says, I don't want you ignorant of Satan's devices. We don't have to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And do you know right before that what he was talking about? For uh, unforgiveness, being free to forgive. I mean, you know, that can mess us up big time. So we can't afford that. In, leader, in leadership, you will have opportunities in ministry to forgive. I'll guarantee you, no wonder Peter said, how many times, God, do I have to forgive? And I'll guarantee you, every one of us in this room, you've had to forgive. Forgiveness is an act of my will, whereby I give up my right to hold another person accountable for a wrong done to me. I decide, I make that decision. I'm not going to hold it. I don't want to be a bitter person. I want to be a better person. But stay focused on the one that can keep you better. I want to take us, and I want to uh, take us to. a storm, and I would like for you to go back there. And uh, I want to talk about being focused. I want to use a person that lost focus and what happened to them. And then I want to tell you about a person that was in a trial uh, and could have lost focus but chose not to lose focus. Now, you do know if you don't stay focused, and I will talk, hopefully get to this, you could have a fit of carnality. Now, I don't know how, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I don't know how many of you have ever had a fit of carnality. I personally have. I'm not happy for the fits, but I have. But I'm telling you, if we do not stay focused, that means our attention is on the one that it needs to be on, we could have a fit of carnality. And we could not only cause ourselves stress and problem, but we could cause others stress and problem. They're not nice things to see. Well, since I'm on the subject, I'll just go ahead and tell you because, it, uh, you know, sometimes we need to laugh. Even uh, I wasn't laughing at the time, but uh, my family was over for supper, and I had just listened to a, a wonderful, wonderful message. Have you ever listened to a wonderful message? You thought, oh, I got it, I got it, you know, and then the next day you blow it. Okay, I just listened, got this wonderful tape from uh, my son in loves, one of my, our son in laws, and it was on Jesse Duplantis head, uh, he called it Fit of Carnality. I thought that is the most wonderful teaching I have ever heard. Well, the next night the family comes over and uh, we have a wonderful meal together. Well, we're going to have coffee in the end, but what I didn't know. I had forgot to put the filter in the coffee pot. And I go outside to get some clothes in the backyard. And I, I had been letting stress have its way and me not dealing with it, letting turn it over to the Lord. Uh, and so I was about like, oh, I was pretty high, you know, with anxiety. So I heard my husband say, Shirley, but you know your husband, wives, has a tone. And if he says it a certain way, I know something's wrong. Well, the way he said my name, I knew something was wrong in that house. So I go back. I'm out in the yard at that time, and I'm going, 
I'm in the back of the house, and I'm saying, I can't take anymore. And I'm throwing my hands around like that. I can't take anymore because I thought, don't even tell me what's going wrong. And I'm just out there throwing my hands around, you know, acting like some kind of crazy person. So when I, I come in the house, my, the meal was over, and no one will speak a word to me. They're deathly silent. You know, it's like, Mama's upset. We don't want to say anything, you know, and that kind of thing. It's deathly silent. So I, I, I just, well, I thought, good. At first, see, my flesh is still activated. I'm good. I'm glad. Don't talk to me. And so then, then I start to turn and go down the hallway, and the Lord said to me, do you know what just happened to you? And I said, what? He said, you had a fit of carnality right in front of your family. And he said, now what I want you to do is I want you to go back in there and I want you to humble yourself and I want you to ask their forgiveness and tell them that you're sorry. Do you realize what you just listened to the other night? Last night, in fact? And I said, oh my Lord. And of course, at first, I repented before the Lord. And then I went in and I apologized to all them. And then we laughed. We could laugh. All of us could laugh at that event. But I'm telling you, that, that is one, and I thought, God, help, help me. Well, he's, he wants to help us. Not too long ago, there were some ministry couples over. The men, I don't think they knew this happened, but Kay knew, but she didn't know the full details of this. But uh, we had just been out to lunch. We come back in. The men have not gotten in yet, and I'm thinking, the ladies were with me, and I thought, let me hurry up and get this dish, that, but it had water and grease in it, and I'm going to put it in the dishwasher, but what happened is I grabbed it too quick and threw the water and grease all over me. Well, I had, I was standing there just like this, and I felt like, what are you going to do? You're going to have a fit of carnality, or what, how are you going to handle this thing? So, I'm, and I, I believe God was talking to me, I really, and so they're all looking at me, the ladies are looking at me, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? And I just said, praise the Lord. I said, that was refreshing, because I thought, I said, I will not, I didn't tell them that, I will not let the devil cause me to let my flesh do what it was getting ready to do. Now, that was, that, I, was I was glad I did that. And, but I'm telling you, you can, uh, and I had another occasion just recently, a few days ago, I'm opening up the table to put the middle piece in. Half my table fell in the floor. I'm not saying anything. I can't say, I don't want to say anything. And I, I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm not saying anything. Frank comes, Frank comes in and he says, well. And I thought, oh, God, help me. Because he's, and then I, he said, uh, are, you, are you about ready for us to get that new dining room table? Well, see, I'd been resistant because that was my grandmother's table, you know. But I said, I'm ready for the new table. We'll find a place. He said, well, we can put that other one in the apartment. But I'm... If you don't stay focused, now I told you some stuff today, but I'm saying it's important that we stay focused because I could have been on a mission trip and some kind of crazy thing happened. I could lose it if I don't stay focused. Now, let's go on a journey. Let's get in a boat. Let's go out in, in, for, let's go with Peter and the disciples and Jesus and the, the story, Matthew 14, you know, and we're, we're out in a storm. But remember right before the storm had happened, they had just had a glorious time on the shore. 
a feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children and all like that. And then the Lord quickly says, puts them in a boat, sends them out. You know, I want to tell you, I have been out. I have been out in the Mediterranean. I've been in a large ship, and we had a storm. We actually were warned, you will have a storm. It will last all night. And I thought, whoa. And that storm, and we were in a huge cruise ship, literally, it was like that boat was not anything. So my mind, when I read this, reminds me of, that's the way I relate. I see, you know, uh, where I was, but then here they are. They're, They're in this boat, and I imagine that boat was not as big as what I was in. And it said, Jesus quickly, verse 22, made his disciples get into a boat, and, but he, he told, you're going to cross to the other side. See, we gotta, when we listen to what he says, he did tell them, I believe you're going over there. So that, if, they could, if we could hold on to what he says, and he put them on in that boat ahead of him, but said, after sending the people away, he went up to the mountain to pray by himself, when the enemy came, when the evening came, he was there alone, but the boat, or hundreds of yards from shore, was being thrown around by the waves because it was going against the wind. And this is a, a little nugget that I felt like God told me, said, if your boat is going against the wind, you can expect trouble. And the wind, we know, represents the Holy Spirit that any time he moves on what he creates, but he doesn't move on what he does not create. So if we've got something going on and we're wondering, hey, it's not really happening. It's just not happening. Well, why is it not happening? Remember when Sarah said, take Hagar. What a mess. Because God did not move on that child to be the promised child. There was a mess. There's still a mess to this day because of that decision. So let's all be careful when we're making our plans, yearly plans or things, that we really keep our ear close to him and know what he is saying for us to do and how he wants it done because that's just as important as what he says, you will do this. Well, how? Tell me how, and he will tell you how. Now, if he doesn't give you all the steps at once, then take the first step that he tells you to take when he tells you to take it. Because sometimes he does that by faith to get get us moving and also to keep us trusting him. So we're out there, and we have that storm going on. And then but between 3 and 6 a.m., notice, he came to them, and he came walking on the storm, literally speaking, walking on the the sea. But when they saw him, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost, and they began to scream. Okay, that's the way you feel with your flesh when you're in something like that. Because they were afraid. But immediately, Jesus said something to them. He knew their fears. Have you ever heard him say to you, calm down, it's me, don't be afraid. When the storm comes, calm yourself down. How do I do that? By reaching for his peace. I have a spirit-filled doctor. Thank God for him. 
And he said to me the other day, and one of his words is, calm yourself. Did you know professional counselors, we just got a report the other day, if you have an anxiety level of whatever that is, level, level seven, whatever that is, that it's difficult for them to be counseled, they can't hear what you're saying to the anxiety level goes down. So Jesus is trying to help them. Calm yourself. Do not be afraid. Notice Peter was the one that said, tell me to come out there where you are. You know, that, that's right there. Like, I, I want to be with you. You know, if, if I'm with you, I'll be okay. I just want to be with you. That's, that's a good point too. When we're with him, he's with us. He already told us he's with us. So even what he tells you to do, remember he's the most important one in the help because he said, I'm in there with you. I'm laboring with you. And, and uh, when identity is given, notice the first thing. If you go back and trace a lot of times that will happen when identity is even given, your negativity rises. And you begin to say immediately why you cannot be the person that he has called you to be. Moses, I want you to go and I want you to lead these people out. Hey, wait, wait, I've got to say this. I can't talk. Got a problem here. Got the wrong person. I can't talk. That's okay. He knew that would rise up too. But he, knew, he knows how to help us with the I can'ts. Gideon, mighty man of valor. Wait a minute. I've got to say something here. Uh... Our tribe is one of the 12. It's the least of all of them, Lord. By the way, I'm the least in this tribe. Got that? Okay. Also, notice what God told him. I want you to go down. I want you to destroy the altars of your father that was made to Baal. Listen, maybe in your background, there's some things that were said over you that came even from relatives. That, that maybe unintentionally they meant no harm, but it caused you harm. And some of those words are just as real today because they have never been broken. I had to break some things that were spoken from my relatives. They didn't mean to harm me, but it harmed me because it wasn't God's words of value to me. That brought a calmness to my spirit to be who he's called me to be. Some things have to be destroyed, literally. And to realize when Gideon did that, he was obedient. He destroyed those altars. It was then that the Spirit of the Lord clothed him, and he blew the trumpet and rallied those that would come and fight the battle with him. So just throw that in your little thing. That's Judges 6. I love that. And he became... Only by God's help. And he is willing. I'm willing to be a mighty man of valor. And only by God's help and power will we become who he's called us to be. But he said, calm yourself. And Peter said, can I come out there and be with you? And God let him come out there to be with him. And, and Peter walked on the water. But when he walked on the water, he walked on top of his circumstances until he noticed his circumstances. The strong wind 
was he was afraid and he started to sing but he shouted to the one that he knew could bring him up and of course he reached out and that was great wisdom too if you do begin to sing it's okay to say help I need help I'm having this fit down here help me and he'll tell you what to do even if you need to apologize it's better to apologize and get it right and move on okay uh Immediately, Jesus reached and caught his hand, but notice what he said to him. He said, you have little faith. You're holding on to little faith. If you go back, the one definition in the, in, the, in the original is faith also means truth. You're holding on right now, Peter, to just a little truth. But when you came out there and you were focused on me, you're holding on to a, I want to say, to a great truth. You're focusing on the one. You can walk on the water when you stay focused on me. But when you don't stay focused on me, you, you'll begin to sink. And so it is with us. No, I mean, we'll sink too. Have you ever felt there's times that you were really greatly victorious and then other times? Oh, I'm not. Let me just uh, share one person with you. Uh, now, he did lose focus, but God gave him a great lesson. And uh, I just happened to believe that it went like this, that when he began to sink, that uh, Jesus reached down, grabbed him up, and I feel like he got it, and I feel like he walked on the water back to the ship. I feel he got it. And that's okay. It's important that we get it. If we fall, he knows our weakness. He bore our weakness. But he can help us with our weakness so that we can be strong. And even in that weakness, sometimes we are stronger than what we think in him. Uh, A person that did not lose focus, he certainly could have lost focus, but he did not lose focus. I want to mention a time on Paul's journey. Paul is one of my heroes. In fact, when you think about discipling, he said, follow me as I follow him. That's how you disciple. And I was sharing discipling. Uh, Becky and I were just talking about it uh, last night even. Um, I said, to me, Becky, if we can get them, sometimes they have to have us. They need us. But I said, the goal is get them, get them to him. Because one day they may not have us. But if we have gotten them to him, They've got the most important one. That was my father's goal in life. I've got to get her to him. So I'm going to take her to the mountain. I'm going to teach her how to pray. I'm going to teach her he's the one that she always needs to go to. From the night I got saved, he came in my bedroom and he looked at me. He said, it's time for you to learn to pray. Tell him anything you want to tell him. He already knows. There's not anything you can't tell him. But he knows. I believe Paul was a praying man. I believe he was so happy, the path that he had been, but now he knew him. So he's on a journey, but this day in Acts 16, 16, you know where he was going? He and Silas was going to pray. Now that's a great, I mean, here they are. They're just simply going to pray. Well, what happens that day, there is, they meet a, a young lady, possessed though with a spirit of divination, a fortune teller, and she had brought much profit to her owners. And she was following Paul and Silas around, crying, these men are servants of the Most High God, which, which, 
which show us the way of salvation. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? The words sound good. But when it is given in a wrong spirit, it is not doing good. It is not causing good. So this went on for days. I believe that Paul was seeking God. What do I do about this? Well, he finally got his answer, and he was grieved greatly that it was going on. But notice verse 18. She did many days, but Paul, being grieved greatly, annoyed, turned to not the... He was addressing the spirit. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And that spirit came out of her. But the owners were upset and grieved over what happened. Why? Because of their prophet. Okay, it was important even now that Paul still stay focused. So what happened to, what happened to Paul and Silas at that point? They were seized by these owners of this girl taken to authority. They were dragged to the authority. They were falsely accused. They, I want, they were attacked. Their clothes were torn off. They were beaten by the guards, thrown into jail. But then that wasn't uh, good enough, the first cell. You've got to take them down to solitary confinement. What was, what was the charge? They were going to pray. They were just going to pray. And they wind up with all this happening. Boy, could you not lose focus? With all this happening to you, I was thinking, my gosh, could you not lose focus? You had to really be walking in the Spirit not to lose focus that day. I don't believe Paul lost, lost focus. And I don't believe Silas lost focus. I really don't. But when you go on and read what, what happened, because all that happened to them, but what, what did they decide to do? What was their reaction? They began to sing, praise God. They were focused, not on that, but they were focused on him. And that was when, remember the prison, the locks came off. Some things happened. Things happen when you stay focused. And, of course, the jailer got saved, took them out of prison for a little trip upstairs. You know, more got saved, brought them back down. Everything's okay. Um, they stayed focused. The jailer got very unfocused. I mean, he was tore all to pieces, you know. But he got right with God. And notice, he told them, that they were told the next day, hey, you can go out of prison. He said, I'm not going out like this. And you're going to have to escort me out. And they did. They escorted them out. But anyway, it's a very stressful time. And in ministry, I know every the, you that are in here today, you have had, if you've, if you've walked very far with God, there's been stressful times that you have had. And you could lose focus. In our nation, is a stressful time right now. And we could lose focus. But we know the one that we need to make our an appeal to, appeal to, even for our nation. He is the hope that can change things because he's the one that can put in who needs to be put in. He has more knowledge than we have about this situation. I heard a story told, but it was a true story, and it really helped me. You know how sometimes when people have been hurt so bad and they they come up to you and they say, how can a God be so loving and let such things happen? Well, this happened one day to a man 
He was asked that question. He loved God. He had an, an astounding walk with God. And somebody that had been hurt by life asked him the question, how can a God do this? And he said, let me tell you a story. He said, I had a horse. I loved that horse. And he said, you know what? One day that horse got out of the pasture and left me. And he said, you know, I, I grieved about that. And the guy that he's trying to give this little story to, he said, oh, that's bad. He said, yeah, that was bad. But he said, you know what? Time passed. And he said, that horse came back bringing horses with it. They were wild horses, but they were following him. Oh, he said, that's good. You got more horses. He said, I know that's good. And he said, we brought them in. We're able to get them in. And said, my son who helped me <clears throat> said, Dad, I'm going to train those horses. We're going to have more horses. And said he took the first horse. And, of course, the man said, that's good that he could help you. He said, yeah, it's good. So he said he took that horse, and he began to work with the first horse. And guess what happened? That horse kicked that, kicked my son and broke his leg. He said, that's bad. He said, oh, I know it's bad. But he said, you know what I found out? He said, there was a gang in town that had their eye on my son. And they were a bad gang. And the next person they were going to invite into their gang was my son. But when they found out my son had a broke leg, they decided they didn't want him. He said, that's good. He said, yes, it's good. And he said, and I want to share something with you. We can't see all the way down the, the, the line, but God can. And said, he can take something that's bad, but you go on down the road. And you can look back because you couldn't see what he could see. And said, you may not even be, but I want to tell you, he's good. No matter whether you see it or whether you don't, that's all I can tell you is the hand of God is good. He knows more than what we know. But let us all stay focused on the one that knows more than what we know. See, God knew this was going to happen. This place was going to happen. He had it ahead planned for y'all. You couldn't see that at one point, but you kept moving. You didn't know it, but you were moving towards it. Tested along the way, tried along the way, but you passed many tests. But the hand of God was faithful. And y'all have been there too, moving right along, just moving right along. And you're en route to finding that other place. That he has, he has that place. He's just not revealed it yet. But in his timing, he will. He will. And so it is with our God. He is our God. Our God. How long? Forever and ever and ever. What a promise. What a God that loves us. And so I want to say, be very careful with your focus. There's only one that deserves your worship. There's only one that deserves not for you ever to get distracted. In fact, Oswald Chambers, in one of his devotions, he was saying, the people of God, and he was talking about in Isaiah 40, said the people of God starved their imaginations. How? By looking at the face of idols. Let us not be guilty of looking at at something that we have no business dwelling on but him alone who paid the price for us to be redeemed 
and be a part of one of the, the greatest family on earth. That's the family of God. And let us give that devotion to the one that deserves that devotion. Are you one of his leaders? I hope you are. Do you know who you are? I hope you do. But if you don't, you can. Just settle the debate. You will. And uh, in fact, why don't we just bow our heads right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are here. Our creator, the author, you formed us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And I've asked today, we asked, that we will go forward, always keeping our eyes focused on you who deserve our devotion. Now, with every head bowed, are you one of those here today that can honestly say, I don't really know who I am, but I want to settle the debate today. So, therefore, I'm going to raise my hand to him, and I'm saying, God, this is I, but I want to settle the debate. I will ask you. I will find out who I am. God sees all those hands, and I believe his answer to you is, yes, you will know, and he will tell you, and you hold out until he does because he's got your name, and the Spirit of the Lord inside of you will bear yes and amen to that name. Amen. Amen. It is so easy for us to lose our focus. And the other thing is, whatever you continually behold, you become. And so, as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he could do what Jesus did, which is what Jesus said, the works that I do, shall you do. As long as he kept his eyes there, he could do what Jesus did. But when he looked beyond that, lost his focus, he lost his standing. So whatever it is God's called us to, set your focus on that. Look at that. Set it before you, and you will reproduce what you see. Amen. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.